Mark chapter 15, the 15th chapter of the book of Mark is where we're going to be. And uh, today, starting a brand new series entitled Pardon the Interruption, we're going to take this series through the bulk of summer. You know, summer ends now at the end of July. Uh, School starts kind of early in August, but we're going to take this through the end of uh, July for the most part, maybe the first week of August, but at least through the the end of July with this brand new series, Pardon the Interruption. So I kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go for this series in the summer. In the summertime, I like to do a series that... um, and most of them are this way, but especially in summer, a series that, you know, one week doesn't lead into the next necessarily, because people get scattered, right? You have vacations, and you, you have trips, and, you know, things that, that go on in the summer, and it's just more of a scattered time. We, we want to try for it not to be, but it, it's inevitable in a lot of ways, and so I wanted a series that was a little out of the ordinary, and, uh, and so I kind of had in my mind where I wanted to go with it, and was talking with a couple of the guys in the office, a couple of the pastors, kind of laying out that I wanted to look at, at interruptions that come in life, and how Jesus handled interruptions, because he was interrupted often, and, uh, and yet he always ministered in the context of interruptions, and uh, we read that so many times in Scripture. And so I, I kind of had this idea of, of looking at how Jesus handled interruptions, because I don't always handle them the way he does, and uh, how we can learn principles we can take out of that, how we can leverage our interruptions for good in life, things that we can learn from those interruptions that come, and then also you know, kind of challenge ourselves to interrupt the normal flow of our lives in a positive way. And so I was kind of thinking through that, and I think it was Jeremy who came up with the idea uh, of, of the title, and he said, what about Pardon the Interruption? Well, Jeremy loves ESPN, I love ESPN, and uh, if you are an ESPN watcher, then you're familiar with the TV show called Pardon the Interruption. How many of you know about that show, you're familiar with it, let me see your hands, all right, put your hands down. How many of you have no clue, idea at all about a TV show called Pardon the Interruption? Okay, all right, those are the ones who don't, you're not living life to the fullest. I mean, come on now, you need to be in front of a TV about 5.30 every afternoon, and so, uh, and all the other times that it shows. But, but basically, this ESPN show, Pardon the Interruption, it's two guys, Michael Wilbon and and um, Tony Kornheiser. The show's been on for 18, 17 years, I guess. And, and the whole format is these two guys, uh, they're writers and they're broadcasters. It's all sports-related, obviously. They talk about the hot sports topics of the day, and they just argue kind of the whole 30 minutes. They go back and forth. It's, it's banter, which is a good, friendly way of saying they argue constantly for 30 straight minutes over the hot topics of the sporting day. And so uh, we're not going to argue. We're not going to put like two of us up here and just argue back and forth. That would be a little bit boring and probably unchurchy. But, um, but the, the context of it, the whole concept I love, just pardon the interruption because we are so often interrupted in our lives. We face interruptions constantly in our days, and yet we don't always use those for good. We don't always leverage those in a way that God wants us to. So, so here, here's what we're going to do through the course of this summer, through the, uh, at least through the end of July, is we're going to look at these examples in Scripture, a few of them, of uh, how Jesus handled them. We're going to learn those principles, as I mentioned, and then also step out of the box a little bit. We're going to challenge you some to do some things through the course of the summer to get out of your normal routine to help, to help expand the kingdom of God and impact people for the sake of the message of the gospel. And I hope you'll be up for the challenge. It's going to be an enjoyable series. I, I'm just really excited about it. Uh, through the course of the series, I'll preach most of the messages, but there'll be um, a couple of them that uh, Adam will preach one that uh, a Sunday that I'll be out. And then Jeremy, our children's pastor, who just did the baptism, is going to be preaching one as well. And I'm going to interrupt you know, kind of my normal flow on a Sunday, and I'll be upstairs leading Kid Life, uh, kind of the message, the devotional, for that particular day. 
and so kind of interrupting my own schedule, and you'll get to hear from Adam, you'll get to hear from Jeremy, and I know you're, you're going to be really, really challenged by those two guys as well. So really excited about this series, about what I'm going to learn as I go through it, and hopefully be able to pass a little, bit, a, little, a little bit of that along to you at the same time as well. So let me ask a question. When you are experiencing interruptions in your life, how do you usually handle that? You might not want to answer out loud, all right? But how do you typically handle when your routine, when your flow gets interrupted? Uh, more than likely, some of you will say, I handle it beautifully every single time. Those are the liars in the bunch, all right? Uh, right? Most of us struggle to handle interruptions well. I, I imagine you're at work, okay, and you know, you're, you've got a project going or you're you know, engaged in a task or something you need to get done by a deadline and you're in your office, you're behind your desk, you're in your cubicle, wherever it may be, and then somebody sort of pops in and they want to talk about what they did on Friday night or, or some event that's going on or some movie they saw or a ball game they watched or whatever, and your whole, you know, your whole flow is just disrupted, right? And now you're off, sort of like off track, you're, you're thrown out of whack and things aren't going well. How do you handle that? Probably you, you tend to get a little bit frustrated. You don't handle it the right way. Or say maybe you're at home and uh, one of your kids you know, says, hey, can you help me with this or, or can you find this for me or can we go out and play catch or whatever? Let's be honest, dads especially, right? There are times where you're engaged in something that you're doing and your, your child comes and wants you to do something with them and you don't always have the right attitude. And later on, you kick yourself and you regret it, but in the moment, you see it as an interruption that you didn't handle well. You see it as an interruption, and you miss something bigger that was in play that we're going to begin to look at this morning in this series as we kick this series off. Maybe for you guys, you're home, and you're watching the game, and you're finally settled down. It's been a long day at work. The Braves are on. They're actually won a few games this year, by the way. If you haven't watched them, they're actually decent, and, uh, which is exciting. And so, so you're watching the Braves, and your wife comes in, and, and, and she says to you, Honey, this is a great time, I think, for us to work on that photo album we've been talking about for so long. And, and you just think... Yes, wonderful, right? But really in your heart you're thinking, this is just one big interruption. I was wanting to watch the game and this was going to be a good night and I was going to finally relax. Or for you ladies, you've kind of put in 25 hours that day and you've done everything there is to do in existence in addition to roof the house and, you know, like, you know, repave the, the, the sidewalks at home, you know, and, and take care of the kids and everything. And, and, and you're finally sitting down for a moment and your husband calls from the kitchen, honey, where are the Oreos? You know, and you're interrupted, you know, you're just starting to kind of relax a little bit and that's the hundredth time he's asked this week already and it's the same spot where they were the other 99 times and it's an interruption so here, here's what I do often when I get interrupted when I go through a time of interruption in my life many times I don't handle it properly I, I do get frustrated and I get thrown off task and sometimes I, I get totally distracted and it's hard to come back to what I was doing before right you may be much the same way or, or even if you're not careful Whenever an interruption comes, if it involves another person, not a circumstance, sometimes what will happen is that there will be some relational tension that comes on the heels of that interruption because what happens is that guy pokes his head in your office or that person interrupts you, catches you in the hallway when you're going from point A to point B and you've got a plan, you've got an agenda, or somebody kind of makes that phone call uh, or, or you know, somebody you know, says something to you that just uh, you weren't expecting and suddenly you've been interrupted. What happens is you don't always respond well and you lash out or you say something you regret and then there's going to be friction in that relationship as a result. And now you got to deal with some relational issues on top of the fact that you didn't handle the interruption well. And so interruptions come daily. They're constant inflow in our lives. Every single day we face some type of interruption. Here's the thing. We have this picture that Jesus was somehow immune to interruption, that he lived in the bubble, right? And the Father was in charge of every detail of his day, which he was. And that the Father was in charge of, of every 
every sequence of events and every sense of timing in Jesus' life, which the Father was, and he is for you too, by the way. But we have this picture that Jesus was in this bubble, and he never had to deal with interruptions. He never had to deal with someone invading his space or invading his time or stepping in when he was going from point A to point B. And we have this picture that Jesus doesn't quite understand right? When we're trying to get something done, or we've got a plan, or we've got an agenda, Jesus doesn't quite understand what it's like to have something else invade that. He does. In this series, you may be shocked, because we're going to pull out a couple, two or three instances where, where Jesus was just that. He was interrupted in a huge way, and yet he leveraged that interruption in a way that accomplished enormous enormous uh, uh, expansion of God's kingdom. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the interruption itself was even, even a part of God's plan to begin with. But one thing we need to keep in mind is that if we choose to see interruptions the way God does, it's going to cost you. And if you apply, and if I apply the things we're going to look at this morning, and just the one key principle, if we apply that and we apply it really well, it's going to cost you. I think about the story of the most popular, perhaps, parable that Jesus ever told, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I know that that was just a story. It was a parable. It didn't really happen. Jesus told it as a story with a kind of a divine truth to apply. And I understand that the divine truth, the application of the parable of the Good Samaritan, had nothing to do with interruptions, right? I know there was a bigger story to it. But let's just look at the story for a moment real quickly before we move into Mark 15. Let's just look at the story of the Good Samaritan and just realize what is at play there, what, what God is accomplishing, that he was up to something more than what we could see on the surface. There's this man, and he's traveling on the road, and he's got his plan, and he's got his agenda, and he's going from point A to point B, and ultimately robbers jump this guy, right? And, and, and they leave, and they take all his stuff, they leave him half dead on the side of the roadway. And if you remember the story as Jesus told it, two guys walk by. Uh, one at one point and one at another point. And both of these guys are the religious guys. They're the religious leaders. One is a priest, the other is a Levite. And, and they pass by and they see this guy on the side of the road bleeding and half dead. And all of his stuff has been taken. Obviously, something has happened here that is very, very significant. And the priest comes by, and he sees him, and he moves to the other side of the road. And the Levite comes by, and he sees him, and he moves to the other side of the road. But the third person in the story that comes by is a Samaritan. He's not even a Jewish person, right? The guy who'd been beaten up, left half dead, was a Jewish guy. The first two that came past, they didn't do anything, were Jewish guys. The third guy was a Samaritan. He was from the other side of the tracks, Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. It was a shock when Jesus told this story that he let the hero be the Samaritan. I mean, that was just like, <gasps> no, he didn't, right? That was kind of probably the reaction of the crowd, that the Samaritan is the hero. What does the Samaritan do? He sees this Jewish guy laying on the side of the road half dead with nothing. It's all been robbed from him, taken from him. And the Samaritan comes over, gets off of his animal, and he comes to him, and he takes his own bandages because I doubt the guy traveled with his own little bandage set, right? He takes his own bandages, more than likely, bandages up his wounds. He takes him up at his own strength, right? Puts him on the back of his own animal, and he carries him. He takes him to an inn, and he leaves them there with instructions. And he tells the innkeeper, here's some money to cover this guy's costs. When I come back on my return trip, if it costs any more than what I'm giving you now, I'll pay the difference. And it was in the midst of this huge interruption, right, that this Good Samaritan experience that he was able to accomplish something bigger and something better, but it cost him. And I'm telling you, if we apply what we're going to look at this morning in this series, we're going to see an example of it in Scripture. If we take it to heart and if we apply it and we begin to live it out, 
It's going to cost us. But I really truly believe that the reward is going to be far greater than any cost if we begin to see interruptions the way God does. We don't always handle them well, I understand. I had my own experience when I was preparing this message. I was putting this message together two weeks ago. I was out of the office all last week. I was scrambling to get things done on Thursday and uh, had, was in the midst of, of um, putting together this message, and I had stepped outside. And uh, so I was outside here at the church, and um, there was a person walking from Kroger through the parking lot uh, to Johnny Mercer, which is kind of a heavily traveled thoroughfare, right? It's a great shortcut when you're going from Kroger to Johnny Mercer. People sometimes will cut through the church parking lot. And so I was outside in the midst of the putting together this very message about, pardon the interruption. And, um, and so I'm outside, I'm about to head in, and I see this guy walking across the street, across Penweiler, and he's heading across the parking lot towards me. And I had a, an extremely godly thought. I thought, if I hurry, I can get inside before he sees me. And, uh, and, and so I know you've never thought that kind of stuff, right? And so uh, and, and God just like, is like, okay, man, what are you preaching coming up here in a couple of Sundays? What is this big sermon series you're so excited about? And so I paused and I went back and I've missed more of these opportunities than I've taken advantage of. Well, I shared the gospel. He got saved. He's a missionary in Russia now. I'm just kidding. And so... Uh, no, none of, that, none of that happened. But I did pause, and, and uh, I went and I just had a conversation. You know what? I learned a guy's name. I, I kind of got a new friend now, and I see him. I can introduce myself and say, hey, remember me? And uh, we talked a little bit. He probably hated every minute of it because I didn't want to feel guilty preaching this message after letting that go by. Just kidding. Um, but it was just a great reminder to me of how often our lives are interrupted, right? Our flow is interrupted. Our plans are interrupted, and how often we miss something that God may be up to. Here's a principle that I want you to jot down. We're going to take a look at how it plays out today in Scripture. But we're also going to sift this through the whole rest of this series. And I'll give you a little something to take home with you today as well. But the simple principle is this, that life's interruptions just may be God's invitation to something bigger. The next time you face an interruption, I want you just to pause. And it will possibly happen before you leave church property. It may happen when you're at lunch. It may happen when you get home today. It may be tomorrow at work. But the next time you, that you are interrupted and you know it, just train yourself to stop and pause and to think and to even pray, God, help me to see whether this may be your, inter, your invitation into something that's bigger. Help me to see in the face of this interruption that this very well may possibly be your invitation into something bigger. There's a man in Mark chapter 15 by the name of Simon. If you go to church much or read the Bible much or have been in a relationship with Christ for very long, you probably already kind of have an idea of who, you, who this person is. Mark only has 16 chapters. We're in chapter 15. It's very towards the end. You know what's probably unfolding there. It's everything that happened at the cross. And your mind probably thinks immediately, oh, Simon, he's going to talk about Simon Peter. It's not that Simon. Mark chapter 15, there's another guy named Simon. We really only know him as Simon of Cyrene. Three of the four gospel writers tell us a little bit of his story, but if you put all those together, it's only a handful of verses, really. There's not much about him. We find that Simon of Cyrene lived just by virtue of how he's identified with Cyrene. He would be identified as one who lived on the northern coast of Africa, modern-day Libya, kind of there right you know, next to Egypt. And it would have been a coastal area right there on the northern tip of Africa. And that's where Simon would have, would have been from. Now, we don't know where he would have been born and raised. We can assume that he was a Jew because of the fact that he was in the city of Jerusalem and it was Passover. 
Simon of Cyrene was there in Jerusalem this particular day with his two sons. And there in the city of Jerusalem, Passover was occurring, all the festivities that go with that. There would have been throngs of people in the city of Jerusalem that particular period of time. At the same time, on a parallel track, not just Passover was occurring, but Jesus himself had been wrongly uh, uh, arrested, had been wrongly and illegally tried for crimes that he had not committed. Jesus, of course, being God, was perfect without sin. And yet he would go through a series of six trials. He would be beaten in many ways beyond recognition where probably the average person would not have lived through it. And as all these things were unfolding, there in the city of Jerusalem was this man, Simon of Cyrene, with his two kids. We can assume there, and I don't think this is a stretch, that he probably had his own plan. He had his own agenda. He had his two kids with him. He, the scriptures refer to him as a passerby, right? He, his goal was to find his way to the crowd to see everything unfold as though he's in Savannah on St. Patrick's Day. No, he probably had a plan in place. And yet what we're going to read here in Mark 15 is that he is going to be terribly interrupted, and his plans will be terribly interrupted as a result. And yet in the midst of that interruption, God was at work inviting him and issuing him an invitation to the front row seat of perhaps the greatest event that has the most specific ramifications for your life that ever occurred. And his story is unique. His story is unlike anyone else's. And yet the simple principle is that at times, and Simon would certainly understand this, it's the interruptions that frustrate us and distract us and throw us so far off center that actually end up being God's very invitation into something bigger. So jump in with me, Mark chapter 15. Let's begin in verse 21. We're going to read through verse 32. Most of of this is going to be in reference to Jesus and the experience that he had from his final trial leading up to Golgotha, the place where he would be crucified. That's the setting. Most of this passage is going to deal with Jesus, but it's the first verse or two that's going to introduce this man that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include by name, Simon of Cyrene. Mark chapter 15, let's jump in and read. And the principle is here that our interruptions are often God's invitations to something bigger. They, these would be the Roman soldiers, pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his, Jesus' cross. It's interesting there, that first verse, verse 21, details who exactly he was, as I've already mentioned, where he was from, how he was known, the fact that he was a dad, and also that he was a passerby. He had his own plan, his own agenda. He wasn't there for the long haul. He was just passing through, probably for Passover. Verse 22, and then they brought him, Jesus, to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. And they crucified him, and they divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. I mean, can you imagine the scene? There's Jesus, beaten and bloodied, having gone through all of these trials. And and, and the very Roman soldiers that, in part, were responsible for this being carried out are the very ones that are also casting lots for the very clothing that he was wearing. Verse 25 says, it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with transgressors. 
those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And in the same way, the chief priests, the religious leaders of all people, also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, he can't even save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. As those events unfolded, the events, by the way, that would lead to your salvation if you're a follower of Jesus today. As those events unfolded, there would be a man there whose plans would be interrupted. We don't know much more about him from Scripture. Simon of Cyrene is not really dealt with elsewhere outside of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All of that we can imagine of him would be somewhat conjecture to some degree. We can assume, and I think it's safe to say this, we can assume that his life was changed that day by what he saw, that he became a follower of Jesus. He was there more than likely for Jewish Passover, but more than likely he left as a follower of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Well, partly because his name is listed as are his kids. Now, if he was just a person who was a marginal part of the story, probably not named by name, Mark thought it significant to name him very possibly because, remember, the book of Mark is an ancient document. It's written. It's without error. We can trust it. It's part of our Bible today. But when it was written, it was an ancient document that would have been read by the early church. More than likely, I believe, Mark would have put his name, Simon, and the names of his two children in there, Rufus and Alexander, because the early church would have known them, right? And I think it's safe to say probably because they were changed that day and they placed their faith in Christ very possibly that day and integrated into the life and the ministry of the early church. And it's almost as though Mark is saying, you know who this is, guys. I mean, you know, the ones reading this for the first time, you know who this is. You remember him. He worships with you. <laughs> this is Simon the Cyrene. Remember his two kids. They're, they're, they're there. You see him all the time. And it was these events that unfolded that more than likely changed their lives. We don't know much else about them. But if we let our minds wander, and if we let our minds in a good way fill in the gaps of Simon's story, maybe it played out a little bit like what this video shows for the next four or five minutes. Let's take a look and see. I was going into the city to celebrate the Passover, and he... He was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb. But we didn't, we didn't understand that. Um, when I got to Jerusalem, it wasn't what I expected. There was like 10 times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover and it just seemed like the whole city was angry like just, just mobs of angry people and all of a sudden this 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 guard the soldier he, he grabs me and I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd and he says for me to carry this guy's cross If, if this guy's blood gets on me, it's, it stains me, and I, I, can't, I can't celebrate 
the Passover. That's the whole reason I was there. It was hard to see the man through the blood. And then our eyes met. And I knew this man was not a liar. He was not a, uh, a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. I carried um, what I could, but he, uh, he, carried, he carried most of it. We, we begin we begin to walk I, I I heard the insults that that they shouted at him and and now at me I felt the spit I felt his his blood on me they'd taken a, a crown made of thorns and then they smashed it on his head and and blood ran into his eyes. They laid him out on a cross and they they nailed his hands and his feet to it and they 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 lifted it up and he he had, he had all of his weight on that one spike through his feet and he would, he would, he would push up with all of his might and, and gasp for a breath to stay alive. And I, I couldn't watch it. He did that for hours. I couldn't watch it. And, and I looked down and I remember, I remember seeing my hands. My hands were stained with with his blood, the, the blood that I thought would, would make me unclean. And I realized it's the blood, it's the blood that, that makes me clean. He breathed his last breath and he died. And that was a, uh, that was the day that I helped Jesus carry. That was the day that I helped Jesus carry my cross. He hung and died on my cross. Imagine the events of that day, how Simon of Cyrene could never have known that what would be perhaps an untimely interruption was actually God's incredible invitation to an event that would change not just his life, but that would change the lives of so many of us as well. You know what he just described was a scene that unfolded 2,000 years ago in history of a Savior named Jesus who loved you enough to come and to die in your place. 
His life was amazingly interrupted. Jesus, eternal, without beginning, without end, perfect fellowship with the Father, who took on the interruption called 33 years on earth. He left the glory of heaven to come to a fallen place, fallen because of sin, fallen not because of the way he had created it, but because of our choice to sin. And the interruption was one that he took on himself gladly because of his love for you. When he came and he died in our place because of his power and because he's God, he also had the strength and the ability to interrupt the stranglehold of death after just three days. And he interrupted death with what's called the resurrection. He rose again. And it's that same Jesus who stands ready to interrupt your life and to interrupt your plans and to interrupt your agenda to introduce you to a relationship with God that can change everything for you. To where your agenda you thought would make you happy, but you know it hasn't. Your agenda you thought would make you fulfilled and complete, but you understand today that it doesn't. But it's the agenda of the God who made you that is what gives you ultimate life. And it only comes when we lay down our sin and when we take up a relationship with Jesus, inviting him to come in and to forgive us and to take over. And if you've never made that decision, it's a decision that you can make right here, right now, today. Asking Jesus himself to forgive you and to come in and take over. Hey, if you've never done that, I encourage you and I invite you in just a couple of moments as we close in prayer, I invite you to pray and invite Jesus to come in and take over your life. And it may even be an interruption in your life, something you never saw coming, something that invaded your life, that has thrown you off center. It may be that interruption that he's using as a tool <laughs> to introduce you into something and invite you into something even bigger and even better. You know, for those of us that have made that decision already, I think there's real value in us recognizing the interruptions that come and being able to leverage those for good. Here's what I want you to do. You've got a little bit of homework over the course of these next seven days. In your seat, you got what looks like an invitation, shaped like an invitation, opens like an invitation. But it's worded a little bit differently based on the series we're going to be looking at. And it simply says on the very front, not you are invited, but you are interrupted. And if you open it, it says, as God's invitation into something bigger. Here's what I want you to do over the course of these seven days, a little homework. I want you to bring this back with you. I'm not going to have random people stand and read them, okay? So don't worry about that. You're not going to have to turn them in. But I want you to just fill this out. Here's what you're looking for this week. Five different interruptions that come in your life. And I want you to jot those down. What that's going to do is it's going to train every one of us to not just blow through our interruptions and missed opportunities, but to see them possibly as God's invitations into something bigger. And so we're only going to recognize those, I think, in a lot of ways if we are mindful that they're there and then record them. And so just five of them, not everyone this week, you may have hundreds, all right? But just five of them, just jot down five interruptions that come in your life over the course of this week. Jot them down, and then here's what I want you to do. As you jot it down, I want you to pause, and I want you to think, how could God possibly be inviting me into something bigger through this interruption that's come in my life? For example, some of you may be interrupted by a challenge this week, a trial, a difficulty, a hardship. And whereas you would get agitated and maybe even a little bit put off with God and angry at Him, maybe if you pause and think, how is this difficulty in my life possibly God's invitation into something bigger? And how can I leverage it for good? You may have someone who interrupts your life as a person and they bring a request or they invade your life and invade your plan. And whereas you would be immediately, typically put off with them, maybe if you pause for a moment, you can just simply pray, God, how can this person and this interruption perhaps be an invitation into something bigger and something better? You see, when we begin to do that, we begin to learn that oftentimes it is the interruption that's the invitation. 
and that it's not just a frustration, but it's something better that God has in store. But we got to learn to see Him. And so for the next seven days, right, today through next Sunday, just fill out five. Bring it back with you. We may have a few more instructions for you next Sunday. But do that. Train yourself and ask God to help you to see the interruptions that come and to be able to leverage those and to use those for good, knowing that God may be inviting you into something better. I'll tell you this. The next time one of your kids, for those of you that are parents and grandparents, the next time one of your kids, and if you're you know, a child in here today, you can really use this and work this to your advantage. The next time you know, one of your kids comes or grandkids and, and makes a request and it's not the best time, especially pause. Because it may be an invitation into something that you never even thought of that involves a deeper relationship even with your own family. So how can you use your interruptions for good? I have no idea. But I do know that when we allow a God who has faced interruption on our behalf before to speak into that, and if we follow his lead, he'll always work good out of it. If you've never given your life to Christ, hey, consider even now praying as we close this message with prayer and asking the Jesus who made you to also come in and save you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you in a strange way for the interruptions that come in life. Some of those we understand, Lord, are interruptions that we don't need to embrace. Many times we get ourselves so distracted by gadgets and things that we pursue that you really don't want us to be distracted by. We understand that. But more often than not, the interruptions that come in our lives, whether they be circumstances or whether they be other people, are actually invitations that come straight from you. And so, God, we don't want to miss those opportunities. Sometimes it's the interruption of a person, Lord, who needs, who needs conversation. In fact, they may even need a Savior, and we know Him. We have a relationship with Christ. Sometimes that interruption is someone you're bringing across our path. We don't have to board a plane. We don't have to go buy tickets to go on a mission trip. Lord, you bring people to us to be able to tell our story and to share the message of your story, the gospel. And you bring them to us, sometimes in the form of interruptions, and we just, get, we just miss them because we're so focused on our agenda and our plans. Lord, other times the interruptions are invasions that we didn't see coming. Lord, it's a, it's a health issue. It's a, it's a change of plans that we have no control over. And yet in the midst of that interruption to our life and our routine is actually a God, you, who's inviting us and drawing us to find trust and to find hope and to find peace and to find joy in you. And the interruption is just your tool. But Lord, if we don't train ourselves to see them, and embrace them, we're going to miss them every time. And so, Lord, this isn't really just a needless exercise. Help us this week to really focus on the interruptions that come and just to pause and to even perhaps breathe a prayer. Lord, how could you possibly be inviting me into something better and bigger through this interruption? And, Lord, for those today that have never given their lives to you to begin with, Lord, help them to know, as Simon of Cyrene learned, that in a lot of ways... The struggle and the journey ends here when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we turn from our sin and ask Christ to come and forgive and take over. And Lord, the beauty of that relationship is that though the struggle ends there, the journey has only begun because as followers of Christ, your goal is to use us to put you on display to everyone we meet. And so God, the decisions we make in these next couple of moments could be really important, really crucial. 
Help us to make the right ones. Help us to follow your lead. And through it all, may you get the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together this morning as we sing our song of invitation. It's your opportunity to respond, to follow as God leads. You do that as we sing. Won't you follow this morning? to stay.